You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. If I can think it, I'll make it happen for myself. So now I'm thinking like business is all in your mind, right? It's all about what you believe about yourself. You have the ability to um, design the life that you want. You have the ability to speak things into existence. But of course, faith without works, without action steps, right? You have to do the work. Um, of course, that it would it doesn't work together like that unless you do the work, right? But you can definitely achieve anything that you want. That was Corwana D, an entrepreneur who helps other women and minorities build successful and sustainable businesses by becoming government contractors. She joins me today to share her journey as a child from a poor urban area of San Francisco to a thriving small business owner. We also discuss how successful small business owners have a unique opportunity to change and support their community. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and this is Productive Flourishing. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Karwana, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm really excited to get into this conversation and to share your story so that people understand um, that despite the challenges that come up in front of us, despite what situations we might be in, there's always a way for us to move forward. So thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. I'm so excited about being here. And thank you so much for having me on your platform. So Let's go back to the beginnings because those are always a great place to start with. So how did you start your business and what was that moment for you when you realized like this is a thing that that I'm going to do and get outside of the job that you had? Yeah, good question. You know, well, I where I grew up, um, I grew up in San Francisco um, in the urban community. Most people refer to that as the hood, but, I, you know, I try to make it a little bit more prettier. So the urban community and <laughs> and there was, of course, there was a lot of blight and, you know, not different from any other urban community across the country or, or across the world. There's a lot of blight. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of poverty and those things. Right. And so for me, um, I knew that, number one, I didn't want to become a product of my environment. And so for me, I had to create somewhat of a goal or pathway to get past all of that for myself. And so the first thing was for me to, you know, get an education and go off to college and, you know, land my career job. And I did all of those things, of course, successfully. But what I learned along the way um, in my first career job, of course, I was like one of the top paid um, African-American females working for corporate America in California. Um, And even with that, that 10 year run of working for someone else, I decided um, that it was time for me to start my own business specifically um, because I started having children and um, I felt like I was spending all of my time at work and then very little time at home. I was missing out on first moments, all of those yada, yada, yadas, right? Um, and so I decided to step out on faith and, and start my own business um, significantly um, for the reason of, uh, number one, I wanted to be the controller and the driver of my own designation. I wanted to get my time back. And I I knew that I had a lot more to offer um, to the world and to society than showing up, um, mm-hmm. chasing someone else's dreams. And when I had my own dreams that, that I wanted to accomplish. Yeah. So take us back because I think this is... Um 
something that we don't talk about a lot, especially if you didn't grow up in an urban community. I grew up in one as well. So, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> I grew up in Arkansas. So there were some hood elements to it, but it wasn't yeah. big enough. It's sort of like that rural, poor country sort of way of living, which is its own different type of experience. Mm-hmm. But um, what I what I would like you to explain a little bit more is how, um, well, one thing that happens for children who grow up in urban communities is mm-hmm. um, the view of what's possible is sometimes a lot different than in yeah. other, yeah. other sort of places. Yeah. And so for me, yeah. I'll, I'll talk about mine. Like there was yeah. no one around me that I knew as a business owner, like a black mm-hmm. business owner or black entrepreneur. Right. That wasn't a thing yeah. <laughs> right? that one could do. Um, and so it never occurred to me as a child that that right. was something... Possible, that right. that was possible, yeah, right? Yeah, um, I knew college was possible because I grew up in a teaching family, right? But you know, I'm currently an author now, best-selling author. That wasn't possible, right? right. Yeah. What, yeah. what was that? Um, yeah. So how did you, and I knew you grew up in San Francisco, so there may be a Californian San Francisco element that's a part of that. Yeah. But how did you see past the horizons of what perhaps your community may have presented to you? Well, I think that from like um, um so I'm just gonna rewind a little bit. So when I when I first started my business, um, just like the th- the things that you just explained, of course I had no role models. I didn't know exactly what I was doing, but I, I knew that I had the educational background because I did have a college degree. Um, however, um, even the application of education, of course, that part there's a huge disconnect between what you learn in school and what's what's in the real world, like what happens in the real world. Yep. So of course I failed several times. Um, in when I first started my business, I didn't know exactly what it was that I wanted to do. So I, I did MLMs, I did, um, you know, clothing lines. Like I did everything that I thought, um, I was interested in because I was initially, I was chasing income. I was chasing money. Right. But then what I found was that, okay, I thought I decided that instead of chasing money, because you do a lot of chasing and, and see very little income when you, when you do it that way, I started to chase my dreams. And so what I, what I decided to do was um, I had this background in video production and media and photography and all these things because I went to school for mass comm. And so, um, so basically I started that business. And even then, of course, I was chasing customers, um, but I was chasing customers for the right reasons. Now I'm doing something that I'm very passionate about. Um, and it was a, it was all a learning experience, but um, initially um, of course, I did it the wrong way, but I discovered the right way to build business just by failing and making mistakes and learning from my mistakes. Um, and then there was one thing that I discovered that kind of brought it all together. My passion, the right customers, you know, the right revenues, my dreams coming true, like all of those things. Um, and that was discovering, of course, um, selling my services to the government. It just all, you know, it all became like um you know, like uh, uh, epiphany, <laughs> you know, like, oh my God, like we've been struggling all of these years trying to get our business off the ground. And here is one unforeseen thing or one uncommon um, pathway to really building a business the right way. Um, and from that success, I actually created She's Got Goals, which is the business that I'm in right now, um, empowering other people. Um, and showing them how to sell their services to the government and how to do business the right way and how to build a thriving um, business. And so that actually um, was an epiphany for me because um, it, it led me to being saying, you know, it led me to feeling like this is it. Right. This is what I'm passionate about. Helping other people transform their lives, helping other people start their um, start their businesses, but also start it successfully so they're not struggling. Um, and so f- hopefully that answers the question. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. It answers the business side of the question, mm -hmm. right? Not so much of the, I, I was thinking more about Kiwana as a 14 or 15 year old. Yeah. Like, those horizons of going to college and things like that. Right. And those steps, because there's often a disconnect in urban yeah. schools about yeah. getting people on the collegiate pathway to start with. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So definitely what I did learn along the way <laughs> when it comes to that, um, you know, as an individual person, what I learned along the way, what, well, the first time I ever realized that what we learn in school, especially in the urban community, um, there's a huge disconnect. I want to say it was a lie. <laughs> is a lie was when I went to college, right. And, and start studying for myself and learning that Christopher Columbus, first of all, did not discover America. I learned about all, you know, gentrification. I learned about all those things as an adult. Right. And then I learned about, of course, you know, when you go to school, they, they teach you, they don't teach you about credit. You don't learn about that. You learn about that in real life. Right. Um, and accidentally you learn about credit and finances and how to really build a business. So those are not the things that I learned in school. Right. Those are the things that I learned out of determination to succeed. And so um, and so basically, um, yeah, so that was the first thing that I learned. And so basically one of the things that that most significant things that I learned was that um, anyone can start a business. Right. So, of course, in school, they don't they don't teach you why right? you can start a business. Right. Because you're given the American dream. You're given um, go to school you know, get hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars in student student loans and debt, right, by going to college and then go work for corporate America and then go buy a house. That's the American dream that's given to you. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But then what I learned was that I don't want that American dream. I want my own dream. Right. And so what I discovered was that you don't have to go to school to, you know, work for somebody else. You can go to school to work for yourself. Right. And so I learned um, the things that are unspoken. If I can say that I learned about the things that are unspoken. So I learned how to kind of navigate through life. I learned about why credit is important, you know, and how to build upon that and how credit is important, not only for individual people, but also for business, because you can generate wealth that way. And also you can leverage credit not only to generate wealth, but also to build your business as well. Um, and so those are like a lot of the nuggets that I, you know, basically learned in life. Um, and that um, although there there aren't a lot of, you know, examples that we hear about um, in the media or see on TV or hear and hear about in schools, there are successful people. Right. Who maybe come from the hood and have become multimillionaires. Right. Um, so instead of them following the path of the rules, right. Following the rules, right. They've done things a little bit differently to get there, you know, um, but legally, <laughs> of course, um, to get there. And so those are the things that I, that I learned. Um, one of them being that anybody can start a business. Anybody can be successful in business. It does not matter your background. Doesn't matter where you come from, how poor you are. A lot of times we're, we're taught that even in, if you go to business school, you're taught not to expect, a profit within your first two to five years. And if you make it to five years, then you're lucky. So we, so we're already taught to in poverty, right? We're taught to think about poverty and to think about business as a struggle. And as now we got to go get loans to start a business, but you can start a business with a uh, uh, hundred dollars. You can start a business with a hundred dollars to get whatever business license that you need. Right. And all you need is a plan and a pathway. And, and that can come from, 
opening your doors and landing your first customer, right? So anybody can become a millionaire. Um, I learned that um, it's all about, you know, making goals or creating goals and creating action steps. Um, but it's not, life is not as difficult as we're, with, we're taught or that we think it, it may be, no matter what it is that you want to accomplish. Yeah, what I'll add in here is that while I said earlier, there, there are not many examples of black business owners in the communities we're talking about, that's actually not true. Most of the business owners are labor centric. So barbers, you know, doing hair, cutting grass, like they're very labor centric. They're not product centric and they're for damn sure not knowledge work centric. Right. right. Um, and so you sort of move up those scales. And, you know, sometimes when I'm talking about entrepreneurship for people, I, you know, I, I just have to say, you know what? Every time we talk about entrepreneurship and every time we talk about these things, we have to think about the asymmetric risk that people of color are taking, right, when they start businesses. Because even things like, you know, the standard business advice, like it's good to have six to nine months of cash flow runway before you start a business is like, you realize how many people that excludes from even thinking about starting a business? Yeah. Right? Because some of us are barely getting by to start with, right? Not all of us, but some of us. I barely yeah. getting by to start with. Now you tell me I got to get six to nine months ahead of time. Like how long is that going to take me before I can exactly. even start this thing? Exactly. And it's sort of that old um, way of thinking about starting a business. Yeah. Now, what I will say is if you can save up six to nine months of runway, please do that. Like that's yeah. good. Like to use your job to, to fund your business, yeah. but that's not necessary for you to be successful. That's not necessary to start a business. As you said, Karana, you can start with a hundred dollars, $200, like the amount of money that you might spend on clothes or eating out a few times a month, or, you know, depending upon what's going on, you could use that money instead to get a foothold to starting a business and see some success there. Um, And you got to know that's possible before you even do those sort of things. And so that's really what we're talking about is that view of what's possible and what it takes to get started. Yeah. And absolutely. Like when I, when I actually started my, um, my, my, for my first business, all I had was, um, determination and $25 to go get a business license. Cause that's how much it costed at that time. Um, and, and, and even then, you know, I was, um, I was, I was fearful a little bit because of all of those things, those sayings that of course you have to save money to make money and you have to spend money to make money. You have to have advertising and you have to do all this stuff. And I'm like, how am I going to do that on a shoestring budget? Like I just quit my job and I barely have anything to get started. And I, and I'm trying to figure out a way to make my first hundred dollars, you know, out of that $25. Right. And so, you know, when you come from like the urban community, you, you, you know, we, we have a saying trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. That's a mm-hmm. hustle. You come from a hustle mindset. And so you're trying to figure out a way to bypass what, what, what you're told, right. That you have to have all this money be, because of course that would eliminate you from the possibility. Right. But what I learned along the way is that every time I, made a little bit of something, I invested it back into my business to make a little bit more. And I did that until um, I learned how to at least um, learn about government contracting, which is, you know, one of the things that I talk about um, in my book and in my expertise. And and these are the things that I coach other businesses about. Um, What I learned uh, when I landed that first, um, actually that for the first contract that I landed was like $70,000. So, so you go from a $25 um, investment and just time and, and determination, right. To understanding that you can make money in various ways. There are no rules, right? If you land the right customer or if you 
create the right thought or pathway for yourself, that $25 can turn into a million dollars, right? And you probably won't have to invest any other dime into that. Every Everybody's pathway and journey is going to be different. And so what I learned is how to make that $25 turn into you know, a million dollars. I learned how to do that, but it took time, right? And it took um, breaking down those barriers of things that we, that belief system, you know, of you got to do things this way. No, now I'm very unconventional. <laughs> I do things in a way that, you know, like if I can think it, I, I'll make it happen for myself. So now I'm thinking like business is all in your mind, right? It's all about what you believe about yourself. You have the ability to um, design the life that you want. You have the ability to speak things into existence, but of course, faith without works, without action steps, right? You have to do the work. Um, of course, that it would it doesn't work together like that unless you do the work, right? But you can definitely achieve anything that you want. Now, if you're telling yourself it's impossible or I don't have, right? Then you're putting yourself in that position of lack. You're putting yourself in that position of denial and um, unposs the impossibility, you know, realm or whatever um it could because you're you've told your spirit that you've told the world that and the universe does respond to what you believe about yourself and so when i speak with um mentees people that i mentor or clients or young people um i try to help them to speak the right things right to eliminate excuses wherever somebody somebody tells you you can't you let them know that i can and watch me Right. You have to come with that type of uh, a mindset because we would never have had the first heart, you know, transplant. If, if somebody if that doctor, that surgeon, that first surgeon that did the first um, heart transplant, if somebody would have told him no and he believed it um, or would have told him it's impossible, you can't do that. And he believed that. Then, you know, how many people will that you know how many lives that he that's been saved because of heart transplant will not have been so. Right. So yeah, it, at a certain point, you have to understand, especially if you're a younger person, like a lot of times when people say you can't do something, what they're saying is they don't see how they can do it. True. That's really what they're telling you. I don't see how I can do it. So you can't do it. Right. right. And so in your head, it's like, you know what, what I'm hearing when they say you can't is they can't. Yeah. But right. There might be other ways. And there's this really um, sort of mind blowing inversion in entrepreneurship when you realize there's a practical infinity of ways to make money right yeah, yeah. it's not like there's these two or three ways there's like however you can to your point however you can imagine creating value for a marketplace there's there's a ways to make money there and so it shifts the thing from like how are these limited ways how am i going to make it in these limited ways of hustling in this way yeah. to oh what might be a better game for me to play that's more resonant with who I am and what I'm out to do right. as opposed to what do I have to do? Um, and it doesn't necessarily make it easier, yeah. but it does remove some of that emotional pressure and that sort of constraint that can keep you from seeing what's possible. And speaking of seeing what's possible, rolling back, you, you mentioned um, the way that I'm going to sort of say the narrative of your business is there was for a while in which you were chasing profit. And at a certain point, you shifted to chasing to like chasing purpose. Yes. Right. Uh -huh. All right. So, how long was that period of chasing profit? So that period of chasing profit was about at least five years mm -hmm. or more. Um, five years or more, and of course, I did generate some profit, um, but I did a lot more chasing um, than profiting, <laughs> and so that was like not only spiritually, um, you know, it was it was just too much right but i was i was just tired 
I was just tired. I, I just I didn't feel like I was really getting anywhere. I felt like I was just running in circles, um, getting the same results and not really moving past or getting past like this struggling business, right? I wanted to be more than just a struggling business. I wanted to build a legacy and I knew it was possible for me to do that. But then once I tapped into my, uh, my passion, which I remember when I was a kid, when a kid would come to school and, and be crying and say, you know, like nobody wants to be my friend. I was that person. I say, I'll be your friend. When someone would come to school and say, um, I don't have any lunch and you can share my lunch with me. And so what I discovered about myself as an adult was that I've always been a giver. I've always been compassionate about people. And so when I just as an adult, as a business owner, once I discovered that my passion was to help other people and that's what I started doing to help them transform their lives and to help them get solutions, like everything changed, like everything changed. So not no longer did I have to be in a position to chase money. I didn't. I just chased my passion. And I think um, Zig Ziglar, he's a um, success, a very successful success leader and thought leader or, wh or whatever. I believe he has a saying, he says, if you spend a lot of, spend more time helping other people get what they want, you'll always have what you want. And so that is like the thing that I wear on my shoulder. I help other people get what they want. And I don't have to worry about anything because success comes to me. Um, the revenues come in, the, the, you know, the generating of, you know, of uh, whatever building of legacy and all those things that I dream of my dreams come true because I'm helping other people um, dreams come true. And so that's, that's one of the greatest things that, um, that I had to learn in life was not to chase money, but also, but to chase my, um, my purpose and my passion. Yeah, Kawana, there's a tie in here because in our community, we talk about building your projects and building your business from your gates, which are your genius, affinity, talents, expertise, and strengths, right? And to build from those things yeah. as opposed to picking a goal and then sort of trying to figure out how to do that randomly. Because a lot of times, right. unfortunately, we'll pick a goal and then do it all the hard ways and then eventually start figuring out like, how, what am I great at? <laughs> that yeah. I can apply to that. And so what yeah. happens when we start with our passions? What happens when we start yeah. with our affinities? What happens yeah. when we start with that is like you end up in this position to where, um, you know, um, I'll say I use the infinite game metaphor the, you know, there, there are finite games or games you play to win and infinite games are games you play to play. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you start getting into this place where you're moving from purpose or passion or from your gates, playing the game you're playing the game to play and you win by as a byproduct of that but yeah. even just playing is winning right? yeah and it, yeah. i know that might sound like a yodaism here um but it really does go to that thing like if you wake up every day and you're doing that thing you're great at that's of service to other people yeah. so on and so forth the yeah. byproduct of that is success the byproduct yeah. of that is you know abundancy yeah. right yeah. um yeah and it comes more or less naturally pause yeah. You have to figure out how to put a container around that, right? You have to figure out how to turn that into a service. You have to figure out how to turn that into something you can get paid for. So I'm not even going to lie. I've been like, you know, you can do all that stuff and then this money flows. Right. But you do have to put, you know, sort of a you container with the service. You, you got to package, package it. it. Yeah. You have, you have gotta to be able to buy it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. You got to make it easy. Yeah. But if you do that, then people will keep coming to you because, you know, above anything else, like we are incredibly intuitive creatures. Mm -hmm. And we can tell when someone's doing it just to make some money or just because yeah. they're on the grind. Yeah. And we can tell the difference between people yeah. who are moving from inspiration and purpose. Yeah. Right. And sort yeah. of deep, you know, deep soul work there. Yeah. And we want to 
we're sort of attracted to those people who are doing it for the latter reasons. Yeah. As opposed as you know, as opposed to the people who are just doing it to make money. Yeah, of course, because you can you can completely feel the disconnect. You know, if, if somebody's not passionate about helping you or they just want your money, you can feel the disconnect, but you also get the results of that type of experience as well. I know um, recently um, in this community, um, this this amazing entrepreneurial platform that I created on social media, one of the there was a young lady there and she was like she was asking she wanted to start a business and she didn't know exactly what it was that she wanted to do. So she was asking people, what can I do? What kind of side business should I start? And people were like, you know, sell this stuff and sell the body wraps and sell, you know, tax and sell credit repair and all this stuff. So and I got on there and I said, well, what are you passionate about? What can you wake up every day and do and and not feel like you're you're have you have to work? Like what fulfills you? Like you know, what are your dreams and what are your goals? Like you have to decide from within what what your side hustle is going to be or what your your first business is going to be. I, I and I and I and I shared my testimonial of how I used to do other people's stuff. That's because I was looking at the money that they were making. I used to do other people's stuff and all I did was hustle, 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 hustle. It didn't bring me any any results. It wasn't until I decided to do something that I'm very passionate about that I was able to build a successful business. And so anyone that's looking to to start a business, I would say first start with what are you passionate about? What can you look back throughout your life and see like, what was that constant thing? Were you building? Were you helping? Were you teaching? You know, were you always giving advice or was you, were you cooking? Are you really good at spices? Whatever that thing is, it started in you from the day that you were born. So it's not something that somebody is going to give you. It's something that you already have in you that you have to discover. And that is your business. That is your purpose. That is something that's going to be sustainable and that's going to take you throughout um, to help you succeed in life. Yeah, and there's a counterintuitive sort of thing about entrepreneurship. And, and the, I'll explain what it is and why it's counterintuitive. The things that are most native and easy for you are the things you should be charging the most for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is goes back to what you're talking about. Your edu- our education system in one way gives us a bias that if it's hard for us, it has more value. Right. And so we end up doing a bunch of the hard things. And and the reason I want to say in that which is because I think so many people block this native thing. You mentioned like your thing is doing spices. Yes, there's a way you can build multiple kinds of businesses yeah. just on that, right? Yeah. Um, I just thought of it seven just thinking about it. And I'm not trying yeah. to say kind of flip a spark. I'm just like, what are all the business models, right? Right. And somebody's like, I can't do that. Well, see, you've already defined the game, yep. right? And you've already said that you're going to lose. Yeah. And so I think people stop, you know, they don't even consider mm-hmm. what am I good at? Um, what, right. what am I interested in? What is that thing that if someone paid me to do it, I would feel like I was cheating them? That's yeah. probably the thing you should start your business on, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Not that you're actually cheating them, yeah. but that you feel like it's so, fun and joy work for you. Yeah. And you're like, wait a second, I get paid to do this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great place. And a very practical test on this one is, is it the type of thing where you want to get up either earlier in the morning mm-hmm. or you want to put in some extra hours in the evening to get it done? Yeah. Now, is that want? Not that you have to, but that you would want, want to. Like you can see yourself yeah. being like, you know what? I want to do this thing. So I'm going to get up a little bit earlier tomorrow morning to get that yeah. in. Yeah. Um, that's a good signal for the type of thing that might be a great seed of a, of a business for you. You know, um, I want to share the story of when, um, you know, I, 
and it, and I always it always tell people to remember um, the dreams deferred, right? Because when we're kids, we're in, we're in grade school. You know, your teacher says, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Everybody's so passionate about. I want to be a firefighter. I want to I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer, right? Um, so uh, most of the time. For most adults, and I would say almost 90 plus percent of adults forget those dreams that they had and that passion that they had to become those things um, once they become adults. Why? Because of people telling you no. People, you, you know, you letting no become their no becoming your no and you're you forgetting who you were. Um, the innocence is taken. Now life happens and you forget and your dreams become deferred. And so even through life, like um, as my dreams become deferred, became de my dreams were deferred, um, you know, because of life, because of what I've seen, because of like mistakes that I've made, because of like relationships and getting divorced and all those things. Um, and when my life be when I was so out of control, right, so out of control that I felt like I've you know, I've, I've done a lot of things, but yet I've accomplished nothing. Right. I had to remember my dreams that I had deferred when I was a little kid, which was to succeed above the hood and to become the first in my family to do this and to become the first millionaire. I had to I had to remember my power from within and who I was and what I was destined to accomplish and achieve. I had to remember those things and go back. And so that's why when I started when I started my business, I started it with. Um, determination, like no matter how many times um, I made mistakes, I knew it was possible. Right. And I didn't give up um, regardless of how many times I failed. I fell forward. I learned from my mistakes until I got it right. And now I can say I have a successful business. I've been able to build a legacy. I've rolled rolls above, you know, the hood. Now I'm able to contribute and be a philanthropist in the hood and and be a change maker. And I'm helping other people learn how to do the same thing and be a change maker in their community. But no matter what it is that you want to accomplish, Remember those dreams that were deferred. Remember who you are and, you know, what your destiny. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, get religious or anything, but remember who God called you. God called you for a purpose. You're here for a purpose. Like, are you purpose driven or are you living life by default and just reacting to life? Right. That's something that you have to answer for yourself. Your response there made me think about something I saw on the show Black Lightning last night. So just just get just bear with me. It was, a, it was a thing on the wall. And this is what happens when you're a coach. You just see random things. But it was one of those like it was in the classroom and it was one of those poster boards. Right. But it was it, it and it said, um, wake up with determination, mm -hmm. go to sleep with satisfaction. Yeah. And I was like, yep. <laughs> right. Yep. Sounds like you put on the board. But I was like. Also true. Yeah. Um, also, also true. Um, so, you know, I was imagining someone listening to this and when this is going to air, it's going to be like, OK, Charlie. OK, Carwana. That's all great. But we're in the middle of a pandemic, yo. Like, <laughs> is this even relevant during a pandemic? Like, what about yes. the pandemic? What about the stuff? So I have some thoughts about that, but I want you I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> I have several thoughts around that. Number one, I'm not participating in the pandemic. Right. So if you decide that you want to participate in the pandemic and the down, the economic downfall and the struggle, then that is a decision that you've made. Right. But from the beginning, I decided that who's pandemic. I'm not participating in nobody's pandemic. I'm, my business is not affected by the pandemic and it's not because I spoke those things into existence. And so what I discovered, even um, during the pandemic, during like racial uprise and like all of the things that are going on in the world today. Um, I want people to know that, number one, um, 
that you don't have to participate. Number two, um, all the businesses that are closing their doors um, are closing their doors because of lack of information, right? If they knew this secret that I knew about, you can sell your services to the government, they they will succeed right now during the pandemic. During the pandemic, the government is spending um, $3 trillion more than they did the previous year before the pandemic. And so who is your customer, right? And so really it's just about pivoting, understanding and being open-minded and knowing that you can survive, right? And even during a pandemic, they're, you know, they're talking about Black Lives Matter, but Black businesses matter as well, because guess what? The government has money that's set aside specifically for Black-owned businesses. And so you have to understand what your positioning is, what your power is. And even when things look hopeless, you have to you have to understand that there's an answer out there, right? You have to get outside of your circle, outside of your own knowledge of what's possible and connect with other people that are winning. Because even during the pand- pandemic, people are winning, right? There's millionaires being born. Right. There's hundreds of thousands of dollars being generated by businesses that understand that this is just an opportunity. Pandemic is a time of opportunity. Right. So what side of the fence are you going to be on? Are you going to victimize yourself and wait for the stimulus check? The six, I mean, six hundred dollars stimulus. I'm sorry. That's that's lunch money to me. So, I mean, I, I mean, I understand that some people really need that. But I'm like, are you kidding? Right. Who is that really going to help? Nobody. Right. So. I'm not I'm not determined that the pandemic is something that's that has to affect us, because guess what? Um, there's there's things going on like there's there's people are buying property. People are becoming millionaires. You know, the government is spending a lot of money. There's infrastructure that's happening. And so you have to understand where you are and what's happening and, and get on the, the winning side and, and figure out how are you going to win in this time? It's possible. And I see it happening and I know it's happening and it's happening for me. Um, I'm going to slow you down a little bit on this one, Carwana, because I know what you mean by I'm not participating in a pandemic. (laughs) I know what you mean. Yeah. But flush that out a little bit more for us. Participating mean. um, So right now, um, you know, small business owners, let's just talk about that in particular. Small business owners are struggling to get regular customers. In that at that at that moment, you have to think about who is your customer, who's who's who is most um, af- affected by the pandemic. Maybe individual people. So if your customer base is individual people, and maybe you work at a nail shop, then guess what? It's y- your business going to be shut down, right? But you can sell your nail products to government agencies, and they're buying that right now, hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars in contracts for nail stuff, right? You can sell wigs and everything else um, to the government. It's all different types of things. And so when I say I'm not participating in the pandemic, I mean that, of course, I have customers. Well, I don't really have individual customers. I I deal with government agencies for my particular customers. So um, the government never shuts down. They never run out of money. If they run out, they print print more. They're spending more money right now. Um, And so I'm not participating in that aspect. Of, of the pandemic. I'm not participating um, in the pandemic as far as um, struggling and being broken because I, I don't work for nobody else. I work for myself. Um, and when you work for yourself, you have the opportunity to build millions and billions of dollars, uh, regardless of what's going on in the economy. It's all about knowledge and applied knowledge and understanding, you know, what way to move and <laughs> being, being ready uh, for that move. Now, let's just say 
let's just say um, um, if if there was a business, right? If there if there's someone who started a business, boom, the pandemic hit, and now um, you're really struggling because your customers were, um, you know, people walking into your store, right? So if you had a, let's just say it's a clothing store. Right now you're you have to close your store because it's not a um, essential service. Right. But guess what? There's military. There's the army. There's the Navy. They all wear clothes. They, they, they and they need uniforms. They need boots and all these things. But uh, but also guess what? They, they need masks and um, PPE gear and all these things. And construction is a uh, essential service. And so they need PPE gear and uniforms and shoes and all that stuff. So it's about pivoting and understanding knowledge and knowing where to move and how to move. So you get to participate if you just decide that you're just going to lay down because they say that's what you need to do. But me, I'm not going to just lay down because that's what I'm told to do that we need to be doing. I'm going to find a way to get around and see what's moving. While everything else is standing still, there's some things moving. So pay attention. What's moving and be a part of that. So I'm glad you did that because what what I knew you were talking about, you are not participating in a pandemic mindset. Right. Right. That you've got to shut things down, that yeah. like if things are going to be slow, that your business is going to suffer, that like yeah. you should expect a drop in business. You don't want to hear all that. Right. Because right. you know there's another way to make it happen. Yeah. And so that's what I wanted to draw more. Like obviously, you know, we are we have to participate in a pandemic when it comes to personal safety around COVID and, and right. things like that. Like we can't get around that. Yeah. Right. But we can get around as entrepreneurs, business owners, leaders you know, change makers, we can get around the idea of like, we're in a pandemic and everything has to stop and everything right. has to like, we have to sort of bunker down like not nah, like, and to your point, Corona, it was doing an audit. And I think every one of my client businesses, except for one, actually maintained progress or grew last year. Right. One of my client businesses. Right. And so I'm like, because part of it is from a strategic perspective, you look at the historical sort of if you look at history yeah businesses that lean into yeah economic crises they get ahead of marketing they get ahead of product development and service development and actually come out ahead during these periods of time yeah. and so uh -huh. by not participating the other way is saying like oh now we have an opportunity to do this and what is yeah. the opportunity in this moment yes right as opposed to oh all the opportunities i had got shut down right exactly and so, yeah, so that that's that's one of those things because it comes up a lot when I'm out talking. It's like, yeah, but it's in the middle of a pandemic. I'm like, in a way, and I want to be very clear about this, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> none of us want the pandemic to be in place. Like, we all want the vaccines. We all want people to be safe. We want to yeah, go back exactly. to normal. Yeah. But there's also a way of thinking like, okay, what opportunities does this pandemic like present that you may not have even seen because you were in business as usual. Right. Right. And so in that way, like when you lean into that, that's what we both mean in different ways about yeah. not participating in, in the pandemic. Yes, exactly. All righty. So you mentioned the shift from um, one way of saying it is um, from selling to individual consumers, you know, chasing profits so on and so forth to switching to set, having the government be your primary customer. Right. Um, and you mentioned all the reasons that's great. Right. Yeah. Um, in a lot of different ways. But after you made that switch, what was one of the most unexpected surprises that came up for you? And how did you work through that? I say um, unexpected. The only, I, th I would say the only thing that was really unexpected for me was the, um, the amount that you get paid for your value. Um, and knowing that 
knowing what's possible for small business owners and knowing that out of this, you know, the government spends over, you know, six point nine or nine point nine trillion dollars a year on small small business products and services and knowing that um, a certain percentage of right now, I think is allocated. Twenty six percent goes to small business owners that are women and minority and like local businesses and disadvantaged businesses and so on. And knowing that, you know, and discovering that information that was shocking to me. Um, and, uh, I wondered why nobody knows about this. And I wondered why that's not something that's taught in business schools and not something that's common when you go to like, you know, the SBA or you go to like score or any of these entrepreneurial, um, support centers or business hubs. And, you know, they're helping people build their business. Why don't people know about this? Why don't people talk about this? Right. Um, because it's one of the best, biggest kept secrets, but it's, but it's public, it's, it's hidden in plain sight. Um, and so that was really one of the most shocking um, discoveries when it came to understanding how government contracting can save a small business. And especially um, it it can help you build a a fail proof business that's, you know, that can sustain during any times of economic downfalls or pandemics, or it can, it can outstand anything, right? Um, Because you're, you have that particular customer, but also not to say ditch, you know, business to, you know, customer like B2C, not, not, not to say ditch that business model, but I'm saying have some type of leg into a, B, a B2G business to government um, business model, because that is the way that you sus- become sustainable. That is the way that instead of chasing maybe like a $200 client, here's a $2 million client, right? Um, and it, it helps you to grow faster. And the reason why um, that epiphany was important to me, because now I can understand how uh, when I look back to the urban communities where I grew up and what's going on in the urban communities with gentrification, what's going on with um, our senior citizens, you know, being duped out of their homes that they've had for several generations, right? Now, as a small business owner, there's a solution because now if you have a B2G business model, you're generating enough um, revenue to be a change maker and to go back to your community and help build up the infrastructure of, of your community, help contribute to the education system um, and help pay for teachers salaries and kind of supplement that. So now you have the power to be a change maker in your community and maybe buy up the block or save senior citizens from being put out of their homes by offering them, you know, loans or however you're going to do it, maybe buy the property and just let them rent it out or whatever. But you have that power when you understand, right? So now we're, we're taking what, what we call our passion in our business and we're leveraging it as a vehicle for a greater purpose, right? So if you want a real business that's beyond just paying your bills and beyond just living a luxurious life for yourself, here's an opportunity for you to generate hundreds of thousands or not even million or even millions of dollars, um, you know, from this giant client, right? That that's definitely not going anywhere to be a change maker and to, to have the power, right? Buying power to be able to do that and to change the world and be a philanthropist. And so that was really one of the biggest um, discoveries and takeaways for me when it came to understanding government contracting and how it can help a small business owner um, in a bigger way, right? Um, and not just to generate re- revenue, but what, what can you do with that revenue, right? To make a change in the world. 
Yeah. I mean, vehicles of social change still need fuel and money is that fuel. One of the fuels, right? But like, if you, if you don't have that, it's very hard to be a change agent, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. there's sort of, you know, we talk a lot about the work of Dr. King, but people don't think about his economics. And part of it is like, if you are not self-sufficient and able to be abundant, you know, able to contribute in that way, yeah. Um, then it's hard to be an activist. It's hard to be a change maker. It's hard to do that because you're so yeah. stuck in your own thing. Right. And and that's yeah. a hard truth, but the more you become, um, economically self-sufficient and, and economically abundant, the more that you can do these types of things. And so I think too many people, especially, and I'm going to speak to this, you know, in certain communities, we're taught that, you know, getting money and being wealthy, you know, you start getting on that sinful side because of all the things that happen to people. And I'm like, yo, money gives you options, right? That's all it is. And what you do with the money determines your character, yeah. not that you have the money, yeah, right? Um, and so, you know, we don't have to hack and buy into that story that like rich people are, you know, are thieves and stealing. It's like, no, rich people, when you look in actual communities, are keeping their community alive, yeah. right? It's not the money that defines their character. It's what they do with it. That's true. Um, so what is a unexpected challenge that you're currently facing? The unexpected challenge that I'm currently facing. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, okay. So what am I currently being challenged? Well, well, I guess that um, I want to say um, in, you know, in my point, of like business success and career and everything like that. I'm looking towards other ways to, to kind of spread my message. Um, media being one of them um, is I find it challenging um, to get, you know, featured in the media. Um, and we're talking about like major media outlets, you know, and that's a challenge for me. Number one, because I feel like I have a solution that can help, you know, small business owners right now. Right. But you on the news, maybe, um, or in the media, you, you, you hear about, you know, the pandemic and how it's affecting small businesses and people closing their doors. Right. Uh, little, very little solutions. Right. And so I find it challenging to create a pathway to that, right. To open up doors for, to get the right messaging out. But, you know, of course, that's, that's just like, you know, have to, it takes me back to, you know, growing up uh, initially when, you know, I grew up in the, I would say the eighties and nineties, of course, um, during those, during those years, of course, we, we, you know, it was a little bit different because we had like happy days. We had good times, you know, we had different strokes and, you know, we, ha we saw, we saw black success on television, if I can say mm -hmm. that. Um, and now all you see is negative stuff, right? You see all these reality shows, you see all this, it's a hot mess <laughs> right now, right? And so, but that was for a purpose. And now I'm wondering, like, right now, what we're what we're seeing on the media, is it purposeful? And if so, what? Why? It's driving chaos, right? It's what happened, what's happening, you know, at the White House and all that stuff is based on what we're seeing on television and what we're seeing in the media and all the stuff that's, you know, that's being fed to us in, in our minds. Right. So I'm just like, OK, so how can we be how can we change the narrative? And I think it's very important for people with, who are thought leaders, people who have found success and, and have a pathway or a blueprint to share to uplift. You know, we need an outlet <laughs> such as this one. Right. As well. But we need an outlet to reach the masses. And so I find it challenging to understand how, you know, to to create that pathway. And that's definitely a challenge that I'm having. Um, right now, just trying to understand how it all works and, you know, why things are the way that they are and how do we fix that? And if you can, 
at all, right? It, is it possible? Um, and what is the purpose? Like, what is the overall purpose of um, messaging in society that we have right now? Because the, the messaging um, is very corrupt. There's no morals anymore. There's, you know, there's no guidance, no leaders, all this negative stuff. And so we're trying to figure, I'm trying to figure out a way to um, bring back positive change, right? Um, and the positive thinking and the positive um, mindset to kind of reconnect our communities um, back together so we can start having those conversations around um saving our youth our young people are out here you know just dying like we're at war you know they're dying on our streets like you know how how do we change that and so media of course is is a powerful um outlet and we're trying to i'm trying i'm having a challenge and trying to figure out how to take back our media and, and create the messaging that we need to have all right, listeners. So you heard from Carwana, Carwana there. Like if you are listening to this and you're like, I want to get her on TV. I want to get her in the paper. I want to see her on CNN. Jump into the show notes, contact her, help her out. Say, hey, like I got some ideas for you because it's a challenge that she's currently facing and we need more Kawana. And that's what I'm coming away from. Like we I need like more. <laughs> right. Um, so as the guest on today's show, you get to leave us with an invitation or a challenge. So okay. based on what we've talked about, what would you invite or challenge our listeners to do? You know, um, I, I've, I speak a lot about um, government contracting for small business simply because of that is a, the vehicle that has kind of changed, changed my life. And I know that it's a powerful vehicle that can change people's lives. And again, um, that is, that is a vehicle that you can use to change your community and to be a change maker in your community as well. Um, but, but a lot, of course, it's a, it's a, it's a hard concept to grasp for some people. Like, can I sell my services to the government? I and mean, I sell wigs. And the answer is yes. They don't really know. Um, and so I have a free checklist that I do provide that shows you how simple it is to get started, you know, and to qualify your business um, to sell to the government, right? If you're in business to make money, um, or even if you're thinking about starting a business, it, it's just, it makes sense, right? You don't have to wait two years to make a profit. You can make a profit in your first six months. There's strategies to do that. And this is, this checklist shows you exactly what you need to do to, to get that um, top paying customer um, within your first, you know, three to six months and, and, and produce a, a real um, profit. And so anyway, if you go to qualifyforgovernmentcontracts.com, you can actually um, get a co free copy of our checklist. There's a free training on there that kind of shows you how it works. Um, and again, that website is uh, qualifyforgovernmentcontracts.com. But check it out. At least take a look at it. All righty. So if you are an entrepreneur and um, you're looking for growing um, you know, a different revenue stream and looking to build some stability, some diversity, check out Karana's resources. We'll link it up in the show notes so you can go ahead and do that. And, you know, the other thing that we've talked about today that I would slide in is, you know, um, this is coming out during the middle of a pandemic. So what would it be like for you to not participate in a pandemic in the way that we talked about it, to really look for ways to grow either as an entrepreneur or in your job as a manager and in your job as an individual contributor? How can you be that beacon of light in this period to say, you know what? We still got some things we can do and let's do those as opposed to succumbing to the fear and uncertainty. Carwana, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. All right, listeners, until next time, stand tall and start finishing. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that will help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, We'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes.